Hey everybody, uh, Adam Beck, um, Executive Director for Smart Cities Council, Australia and New Zealand, also host of the Smart Cities Chronicles podcast. I'm here uh, for episode 41. I'm at the Asia Pacific Cities Summit in Brisbane. Uh, we've got over 3,000 delegates, uh, representatives from more than 100 countries, uh, and I'm doing sound bites around the Expo Hall. Um, with me to kick things off uh, is Claire Coburn from uh, City of Ipswich. Claire, how are you? Very good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your role and what do you do day to day? So I'm the Industry Development Project Officer in the Office of Economic Development at Switch City Council. So our office does a whole range of things. We deal with local business, we deal with innovation, um, investment and traction, um, and strategic projects and the like. So it covers a broad range of activities for the team. Absolutely. A big, port, uh, big portfolio. Tell us a little bit about some of the, the exciting projects, the key projects, innovation, uh, the link to economic development. What are you working on at the moment? So something that we have going on at the moment is that we um, have an innovation hub called Fire Station 101. So that's been council owned for the last few years and we're trying to open it up to get a private industry in um, through an EOI at the moment. So we're looking them, for them to come in and see if they want to take over the operational and strategic direction of it. Um, council's taken it to where we think we're happy with it and now it's time to make it a bit more agile and a bit more friendly to scaling things up and getting like, some new outcomes. So that's a big thing that's happening in the innovation space. Um, in the city of Ipswich in general at the moment, we have the CBD redevelopment, which is also known as Nicholas Street. So that's going to completely revitalize the CBD area. Um, we're getting a new building out of it. So then Queensland Health can move into ours. So it's going to trigger off the health precinct. Um, it's going to have new retail space, a new plaza. It's going to really connect all that precinct through to the north of the river as well. So that's going to kick off in the next 18 months, two years. They've started construction. So that's like a big thing we're really keen on at the moment. Awesome. And that's obviously an opportunity to attract investment and, and sort of catalyze local business. You've also got um, down near, sort of that's sort of the heart of Ipswich. You know, you've got the river there. So you've got this really unique and amazing opportunity of blending lifestyle and uh, and, and sort of urban vibrancy um is this is this sort of like a real signature project for council how long is it going to go what are you going to be able to leverage from it so yeah this would be the probably the biggest um public facing project that we have going over the next couple of years particularly for the residents of Ipswich the CBD area hasn't really been revitalized for a few years and it's time for it to really inject some new life into it um, that means it'll be like a new civic space that people can really leverage off um, like you said investment and traction it means that we can open up new industries around it we've got a few um, fringe projects which we're hoping that'll probably um, get leveraged off of that which we're thinking about at the moment um, but we're really hoping that this will sort of bring people into the city center and sort of get them keen about Ipswich again. Absolutely and Ipswich um, was one of our winners uh, in the Smart City Awards last year uh, at Smart Cities Week. Um, I love these kind of reactivation urban urban redevelopment projects because it sort of you know it really gives the opportunity to sort of build off the back of existing capital works and investment um, bring in sort of those technology and data enablers um, that the city's very well known internationally, you know, in the smart city space. Um, talk to me a little bit more finally, just around um, that broader uh, vision for Ipswich. Um, you're, you're certainly very unique in, uh, in, in, in attributes, in lifestyle. It's also really growing. You've got some other massive projects that are going on in Springfield and other places. Um, just finish by giving me a, a view of sort of, you know, that, um, that sort of, uh, that bio of Ipswich, you know, the attributes, what you love and what others should love about it as well. 
Yeah, sure. So Ipswich is Queensland's oldest provincial city. So we have a really good heritage element, which a lot of other cities are lacking. At the same time, we are trying to revitalise things. We have a really modern element. We have some of the um, biggest master plans communities in the state. So we've got um, Springfield, which has been there for a while, which is still growing. Also Ripley, which will be even bigger than Springfield. Um, in terms of other stuff that's happening in relation to that, we're also lobbying for new train lines to go through and connect those areas. So that'll really connect the residents in those areas, not only to Ipswich, but further afield to Brisbane. Um, that has great synergies for economic development, the workforce. Um, that has linking into the education space as well. Um, we have good connections with the international education space and sister city relationships, which we're hoping that we can leverage in the future. Um, we're really growing at a rapid pace. I think it's a 5% growth in population. We're expecting to double our population in the next 25 years. Um, so bringing that back to innovation, we really think that innovation is at the core of it is just better ways of doing things and new ways of doing things. Um, and we're really trying to walk the talk on that and how we're approaching everything that we're doing in Ipswich, right from the urban redevelopment through to the strategies we're taking in the local business space. I think, uh, I think there's, there's, there's no doubt there that uh, in summary, uh, City of Ipswich is a great place to do business. Um, the city got, has got a very firm strategy with respect to innovation and uh, embracing technology and data. Um, awesome lifestyle, all those key components. Claire, thanks so much for talking to us. Thanks for having us. Okay, and we're back. Uh, and talking now... Uh, with Keith from uh, Hitachi. Uh, Keith, can you give us a sense of who you are and what you do at Hitachi? Sure, Adam. Uh, Keith Ross Carroll with Smart Spaces and Video Intelligence for Hitachi across Asia Pacific. So uh, we do everything from uh, smart cities projects, video insights and video intelligence and integration for data platforms for, uh, for key outcomes for, uh, for city owners. And you guys are uh, operating in your role is, is not only locally here in Australia, but across uh, Asia and sort of other markets as well. Which, which sort of um, areas of the world are you really seeing a lot of interest in sort of cities wanting to embrace the role of technology and data to be sort of more awesome? Look, great question, Adam. We, we certainly are seeing a massive uh, influx and uh, improvement across Asia. Mat maturity, certainly in the US, they've had models in place for some time now. In uh, EMEA, EMEA, they've also had a level of maturity around smart cities. But what we're seeing now is the fantastic disruption in the likes of India, Asian places such as uh, Thailand, uh, and in Korea as well, and of course here in Australia. And... Um Social innovation, this is sort of, you know, your, your key sort of narrative. Um, I, I love those two words individually, but together, what does that mean for Hitachi and I suppose more importantly, cities and your clients? Well, what social innovation means to us is very important because it's key to our ethic. So if you look at our, in fact, our current brand, which is Powering Good, might, might sound a little, a little bland and wide, but it's about a, a number of things. How do you change the social infrastructure of society for, uh, for improvement and betterment? And that, that goes right from the, the largest business right down to the individual citizen. Uh, we also adopt a, a, a very uh, hard line on what we call the double bottom line. So one might be financial and economic gain, but the other one is what is the value to society and, of course, to the citizen. Um, bringing it back down to Australia and, indeed, Brisbane, you know, at the Asia-Pacific City Summit that we're here now, what are you, uh, what are you seeing and hearing from, um, from delegates here? You know, what are, what are some of the exciting thing, things that you're hearing and also what are some of the remaining ongoing pain points from cities that, uh, that might be sort of expressing, you know, certain views about things? 
Well, for starters, I could only compliment the uh, the level of knowledge and understanding and the investment that has gone into the, the research in the smart cities, especially in Australia. So my my perception of mayors that are really knowledgeable in the technology sets, truly starting to understand how they can affect cities in a positive, a positive way. They're looking for the gotchas. They're looking for the lessons learned. So my overall indication of Australia is the, not the incessant need to be first, but, but the want to be right. So, uh, you know, we're seeing that in so many different ways, the way that they're addressing their safety needs, the way that they're addressing their operational improvements, the way that they're starting to establish their own KPIs and KPOs. And they're, they're, they're taking all the lessons learned from the US, from Europe and, and within Asia. And I think we've got some, uh, some good outcomes coming in Australia. Absolutely. Um, Keith, the final one, uh, you guys are involved in some pretty exciting sort of projects that are on the on the board at the moment um aerotropolis you know you guys have an mou out in western sydney massive new airport and not only airport right that's just sort of the, the start of a major catalytic sort of um transformation project in that part of the world um you've also been uh, playing around on you know some really exciting rail projects in australia from a from a smart infrastructure perspective um you know, what's exciting you here in Australia about, you know, the, the near future with respect to what is a, a substantial infrastructure spend and potentially and hopefully, you know, our opportunity to sort of make that as smart as possible? Yeah, right, Adam. What, what I'm seeing is, as, as I spoke before, of, is, is getting it right. So the right stakeholders in the room. The Aerotropolis is a fantastic opportunity in the way that there is a mix of public-private partnerships. There are pharmaceutical companies, Sydney markets, so fruit markets uh, are arriving there, defence is there, and of course there's the, the, the airport itself, the commercial operations, the domestic and the international operations. So what I'm seeing is this step back. Let's, let's reevaluate what we've learned overall. We have significant infrastructure. We have, we, we, we have a blue ocean in, in, in terms of that opportunity, so we can, we can get it right. And uh, what, we, what we're seeing is the integration between the, the key social infrastructures. The reality is, as, as has been spoken in this conference multiple times, there's no such thing as a standalone train system. It, it's integrated with the rest of transport and, of course, integrated with, with people's lives and commercial lives. Uh, the, same, the same with water treatment, the same with energy, the same with uh, smart city layers. The, the need to integrate it, the acknowledgement that we're not exactly there yet, but uh, but the, that improvement and that commitment to to that change, I think, is something that's very exciting for Australia, and uh, we're very keen to be a part of that, Adam. Well, I'm going to I'm going to jump on the back of that excitement, Keith, and, and join you there. We're really excited as well about the future, and and indeed, you know, working with Hitachi as one of our global partners. Um, thanks so much for talking to us today on the Smart Cities Chronicles. Pleasure, sir. So, folks, back with, uh, back with another exhibitor at the Asia-Pacific City Summit. I'm here with Cameron Spiller, Technical Manager uh, with Lumascape. Uh, Cameron, how are you? Tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you guys do. So, um, we're doing very well. Thank you for asking. Um, we have uh, been developing and producing uh, high-end architecture lighting for around about 30 years. Um, over the last 10 years, we've been focusing very heavily on exterior facade, um, high-end products which are designed to go onto buildings and last for a very long time. Our mantra is using light to transform spaces. Um, we're finding that uh, the, the power of light to transform a space and to add to a community is just, it's, it's unmeasurable. Um, recently, we've uh, done some very large projects. One of them is Flinders Street Railway Station, which transforms the city at nighttime. 
very intelligent equipment. Um, it's designed so that it's, it's monitored through the internet, um, it's connected. Um, all of the control systems are developed by us um, and they're designed to last for a very long time. LED lighting, um, uh, smart lighting, LED lighting is, is sort of been one of the uh, commonly referred to, you know, early on ramps into the smart cities agenda. Um, LED lighting has sort of transformed not only our, our capability to, as you say, you know, activate spaces and, and um, really highlight um, assets, whether it be heritage buildings or other spaces. Um, but of course, the, uh, the, the critically important issue of, um, of lowering greenhouse gas emissions through energy consumption. Give us a, a real quick snapshot on sort of how you're seeing the LED lighting market and the opportunities, what you're seeing, what you're hearing. Um, is it going strong? Are there still barriers that remain? Give us a sense of sort of how the marketplace is. Um, so the market's getting stronger and stronger. LEDs are being adopted more and more. Um, more so now, LED is a very accessible technology, uh, which means that you do have uh, a lot of products or a lot of solutions in the market which are not really fit for purpose. Australia is a very hot place, so um, we, we do a lot of work designing products to last where they, they need to last, so to keep them working for a very long time. They, they do definitely transform spaces. Um, the flexibility, the, the form factor, the sizes that you can get them down to. Um, if you can design housings and electronics around them that will survive as long as the LEDs, then you've got a really strong solution. In terms of energy consumption, um, one of the projects that we were involved in um, a few years ago was the concert hall at Sydney Opera House. And they had about 600 incandescent downlights. And we saved 75% um, of the energy costs. And we also saved, um, on their heating bill, while they were installing our systems, they removed four tons of air conditioning ducting from the roof space, which was there just to cool the lighting system. So the, the, the amount of energy that you can save is one thing, um, but the other thing is OH&S. With traditional lighting, um, it, there's always a requirement for servicing. With LEDs, because they last a lot longer, and if you design them to last for a very, very long time, they don't need to be serviced at all. So it's, it's gone from uh, needing um, constant maintenance in, in the roof spaces of Sydney Opera House and other venues where we've been working to zero maintenance for the last six years. Tell, tell me, in terms of the technology itself, um, uh, you know, the, the cost and the price, is, is it one of those uh, sort of scenarios where the technology gets better and better, the, the price comes down, it's becoming more accessible? Is that sort of a fair statement? It is. Um, it's definitely a fair statement. It's the same. It's the same with anything, I guess. You, you more often than not get get what you pay for. So if you buy uh, a good quality product, a very good quality product, which has been very well engineered, um, then it, it will cost a little more than than a cheaper product. But yes, you're right in that the prices are definitely coming down. Um, the energy savings are becoming more and more attractive, and the energy costs are going up. So for a, a building um, and a system such as ours, which has all sorts of energy saving um, uh, functionalities, um, such as if the system senses that uh, there's certain sections of the building um, which are not illuminated at this point in time um, because the control system has told the, the lights to dim down, it will actually switch them out. Um, so our system has uh, contactors built into it, um, which are intelligent enough to know when the energy consumption, even the standby energy can be switched off. Um, but yes, definitely the, the energy consumption is uh, one of the huge advantages of, of LEDs, low energy consumption. And absolutely, um, as an exhibitor here in the uh, Asia Pacific City Summit sort of marketplace, um, how's the vibe been? What have you been hearing? Has it been a fun time? 
Um, well, it's been a fantastic show. Um, we're very surprised at how, how well um, it's, our, our offering has been received, how well our message is being received. Um, our message is uh, we're transforming cities with light. And obviously having uh, a group of mayors from all over the Asia Pacific who can see uh, some of the things that you can do with light, it's, it's quite exciting for them. And, and you're a Brisbane-based headquartered company, which is also nice, local talent. Yeah, so um, all of our engineering teams here, right here in Brisbane, um, we've got 20 engineers here and we've got our largest, most sophisticated lighting lab in the Southern Hemisphere um, based right here in Brisbane. Well, I look forward to heading over at some stage and, and having a look at it. Um, Cameron, thanks so much for joining us on the Smart Cities Chronicles. Thank you. That was uh, Cameron Spiller from uh, Lumiscape, a uh, local uh, Brisbane uh, company here, transforming lighting in the built environment. And of course, uh, smart lighting and early on-ramp into the smart city uh, journey, as uh, the Smart Cities Council uh, has always said. Okay, we're back in the exhibit hall, uh, and I'm here now with uh, Penny Hall from Arup, one of our members. Penny, how are you? Who are you? What do you do? I'm well, Adam. I am the Australasian leader for landscape architecture. So I work regionally uh, based out of Brisbane. Um, you've been here for a couple of days at the summit. Uh, have you enjoyed your time? What have you sort of heard that excites you? Uh, of course, I've enjoyed my time. Uh, I saw some very interesting major project announcements around all of Queensland, up north uh, in Townsville and Mackay, but also the Asian Development Bank doing a lot around water um, in the Asia Pacific, and also uh, attended some interesting conversations with Uber. Uh, and freight all in the same uh, sort of uh, panel around uh, transport and logistics and operations. So interesting space in where we're heading. I think a lot of people are having interesting conversations with Uber. Um, Penny, let's talk, uh, let's talk um, growth. Let's talk city shaping. Let's talk green infrastructure. Uh, we are here in subtropical southeast Queensland. Uh, I'm a big fan and advocate for uh, for green infrastructure. Firstly, tell us, um, there's a lot of big projects that Arab is involved in all over the country, you know, moving, uh, moving people, uh, master planning. Um, how is the landscape architecture industry market profession going at the moment? Um, you know, in a time where we have, um, record infrastructure boom you know are we are we moving landscape and green infrastructure you know further upstream uh, in the conversation as opposed to just being sort of you know a last minute thought where are you guys as a profession in really helping you know frame this this sort of boom that we're going through and the growth we're going through I've actually had this conversation or question a few times um, we are very much starting to see landscape architecture at the big people's table. Um, even in the last sort of uh, eight years that I've been back in Australia, it's very much uh, moving up in prominence across part of the city narrative. And I think what we're seeing is a couple of things. Uh, transport's very much been the catalyst um, for the city, city plan and city dialogue, but we're also seeing uh, the conversation around what is place, space, and how is density working with that? And I think there's a lot of expectation on the landscape and public realm in, in doing more than just being green or um, a place for people to just sort of move through and we're, we're very much looking at that social interaction and social sort of retention of people within the public realm and how we work with that so it's quite exciting. I've, um, I, I've admired uh, and of course some of your previous work with the London Olympics but also um, 
you know, I loved it when the Barangaroo, you know, Headland Park down in Barangaroo was, was opened and you sort of look at an aerial photo and you think, you know what, what better investment for a city than that sort of green infrastructure? Um, and I sort of think to myself, you know, the, that that's an asset. That is that the value of that asset is is sort of incredible. Um, are we are we at a place where we're really valuing green infrastructure and its contribution to society at the moment? I think we definitely are, and I think people are starting to understand what green infrastructure is. But I think the importance is people are under, starting to understand. There's those big sort of you know, hero projects like Barangaroo, Headland Park, which is brilliant. And it's part of your sort of extra large spaces within cities that, that have multiple purposes to it. But I think we're also starting to see as, as cities the importance of um, extra small spaces or small medium um, around anything from parklets to pocket parks to even um, rainwater gardens within our streets and, and uh, shade and microclimatic uh, responses for people moving through cities. So I think people are starting to understand the different scales of green infrastructure and the importance in cities, which is, is good fun and great to be part of that sort of uh, movement into cities. I'm also hearing, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm also hearing more and more interest and narrative. And I think, I think on the back of the recent uh, New Zealand um, budget, um, you know, health and wellbeing, you know, being an absolute critical driver in the future as our cities sort of become a little bit more uh, busy and, and, and congested. Uh, your views, reactions to the idea of health and well-being and the link with, you know, with nature and green infrastructure? Oh, hugely. And I think, uh, you know, Lord Mayor Adrian Schooner talked about this yesterday or the day before in one of the panels about getting people active and, and moving into sort of the open space and how we keep people engaged and ensuring that, it's comfortable, accessible and safe for them to actually walk, ride, skate, limes um, and, and wherever we're heading with different mobility types through the city, you know, the, the urban and public space is uh, always going to be an asset to cities and people are always going to be wanting to use them and I think we're expecting a lot more from them in, in being a sort of subtropical city, particularly here where we can be outside 300 plus days of every year. So people are expecting more from the public realm. Can I ask you a final random question? Um, I don't ask this a lot, but I'm also I'm always curious, and particularly from a landscape architect. What's your favourite city in the world, and why? Brisbane. <laughs> I've lived in many. No, I'm, I'm. A lot of people think I'm now work for tourism, uh, Brisbane. But uh, this city is easy. It's friendly. It's really accessible. I was just talking to someone, our city's leader, who's based in Sydney, and he has been really impressed with how our river walks and everything is just so easy to get around and. Uh, it is an outdoor, easy city. And uh, I think, you know, we're seeing things like Howard Smith Wharves. Um, South Bank is still evolving. Um, we've got Queen's Wharf happening and all the brilliant infrastructure. I think we're a city that's uh, flying under the radar of brilliance. I, I love the Lord Mayor, uh, Adrian Schrinner's sort of opening, uh, opening remarks at the conference saying that Brisbane is the most Australian city on earth. I thought it was great. Yeah, it is. It is very Australian. And, you know, I'm, I'm not born and bred here, but I'm very much this is home now. So I will be here for the long haul. Well, I'm glad we've got you here. Penny Hall, uh, leading uh, landscape architecture at Arup in the region here. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much.